Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. to the Action Lab Podcast, issue number three for the first part of February 2014. I'm your host, Jim Dietz, and we have a lot of stuff to get to this week, uh, this time out. Um, not only do we have uh, some, some cool news uh, that we've been brewing, but some cool things going on in the pre-orders, and some cool things on the shelves, and we're going to cap, cap it all off with a uh, an interview with Mr. Bill Blankenship, artist, uh, colorer, inker, extraordinaire, kind of utility infielder. Uh, uh, on, on for Action Lab for uh, books like Double Jumpers and Fracture, so uh, we have a pretty action-packed show today for the Action Lab podcast. Let's get on with in the news. And in the news this week, uh, we have a few things we wanted to mention. First of all, uh, the Comic Geek Speak uh, podcast has been around for quite a, quite a long time. They're kind of the godfathers of comic book podcasting. Probably them and and iFanboy have been around the longest. Comic Geek Speak has a really big grassroots appeal, and uh, they've you know, been through quite a few permutations lately. But they've always been a, a pretty well known and respected podcast uh, presence there in the comic community. And uh, they have opened up the voting fi- in the final round of uh, the nominations for their uh, best of 2013. Uh, I know it's uh, you know it's already the middle of February as you're listening to this, but it's a long and arduous winnowing process for them because they really love comics and they always have a lot. Uh, you know, they always get at least two shows out of winnowing it down to the final finalists. But the final nominations have been made, and the uh, we're we're happy to announce that uh, uh, Jamal Igles Molly Danger is nominated twice uh, for best new hero and for best graphic novel album or album. Uh, and Jeremy Dale from Skyward, um, another Action Lab cohort, has been nominated for Breakthrough Talent for um, for his work on, of course, Skyward. So um, if you would like to vote uh, for um, Jamal or Jeremy, and we'd really appreciate if you would, because uh, once they get down to the finals, the voting is open to the public uh, for their best ofs. Um, the link is available. It's too long for me to to uh, recite to you or to have you write down. Um, but the link is available not only in our Twitter feed, which is at Action Lab, or if you look up Action Lab Entertainment on Twitter, you can find us there. And it's also available, or will be available uh, numerous times on our Facebook page, uh, Action Lab Entertainment. Uh, is, our, is the name of the group uh, for the uh, the Facebook page for Action Lab for Action Lab. So uh, just come along, and if you if you vote for the, uh, both Jeremy and Jamal, we'd really appreciate it. They have a lot of other great comics. If you're a comics fan, uh, that you could vote for in other categories, but those are the ones we'd really appreciate your help on. Help spread the word about two of our uh, really great premier all ages books and uh, two of the best books we have in, in our stable, and two of the best books on the market too. They definitely are deserving of the awards. 
So by all means, find that link in our Twitter feed or in our Facebook feed, and uh, it'll take you like 30 seconds tops to, to vote for, for, uh, for those books, and we sure would appreciate it. I did mention this on the on one of the previous shows, but I wanted to mention it again. Another thing you can find in our Twitter feed and our Facebook feed to link to is a, uh, a digital trailer for the new Bo Plushy Gangsta. Uh, number one just hit the stands uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, number one and number two installments are available digitally at Comixology, and it is a comic unlike any other that you've read before. Pa- Pavel Balabanov. Uh, who does the art for the, this, has done art for a lot of video games. The digital trailer will give you a taste of what you have in store. Imagine Teddy Ruxpin growing up on a steady diet of uh, Boys in the Hood and NWA, and you're kind of in the right ballpark. Um, he, he's, uh, he's, he's stuffed, but you don't take no, he, you don't take no stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, Bo, Bo Plushy, the, the digital trailer is available. Uh, it will be, it has been, uh, all through our digital, uh, um, social media feeds. It's been in our Twitter feed. It's been in our Facebook feed. If you want to look for them there, uh, for the link to that, it's about a minute and a half long trailer. Or search Bo Plushy on YouTube, and you'll also find it. Uh, it'll give you a little flavor, a little taste of what uh, you can expect with the manic insanity of Bo Plushy. So by all means, check that out. Another promotional thing we've been uh, doing lately, we've had a lot of success with, and we had a lot of good reaction to, is our digital trading cards. Uh, I, I think I mentioned this on one of the earlier podcasts, but basically what we're, we've done is uh, we're made a whole, we're making a, uh, over the period of time an entire set of Action Lab and Action Lab Danger Zone digital trading cards. We release one every weekday, uh, Monday through Friday, on our Twitter feed and on our Facebook feed. Um, you'll be able to, to keep up and stay current. Um, you can check out art, not only from some of our great books that are available in Comixology or available on the stands now, but also previews of stuff we haven't even um, we haven't even rolled out with yet. We just ran a, a digital trading card, a beautiful piece of a Midnight Tiger by by Ray Anthony Height uh, um, and D Wayne Fenstra. Um, Art that we have not run anywhere before. It's, it's a premiere. It's premiere art. I mean, it's it's a premiere from a comic that's not even going to be out until the spring. Um, so, I mean, you're getting a, not only are you getting um, cool looks at maybe some books you've missed, like uh, perhaps I mean, we just did Order of the Dagnet, um, X01, the Rocksteady Steelbot, some of their some of the more fringe or early on uh, Action Lab you know titles. If you've come to Action Lab lately, rather than been with us for the whole ride. Um, it just gives you like a little bit of a preview of what the art looks like, what the style is of the book is like, what you can expect when you crack it open. Um, it's just it's a really cool thing. It's 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 like having a little little taste of Action Lab and Action Lab Danger Zone every day, and every taste is a little different, you know. Um, it, it's it's a really sweet thing. What we've been doing is having a um, we for the first uh, two weeks we had uh, cards on both the Action Lab and the Action Lab Danger Zone um, social feeds. And now we are alternating. Last week we had all Danger Zone, this week all Action Lab. And then next week we're going to go from Action Lab to Danger Zone back and forth to kind of cross-pollinate, to kind of showcase some of our um, titles that will be upcoming in the new year. But if you want to get a preview of what's coming out, you know, of what will be coming out in the next few months, I know we also um, ran a, a trading card um, from Dry Spell, which is another comic we're going to be premiering in 2014, which we have not 
you know, printed in any way yet, other than in this digital training card, even shown to the public in any way, other than on this on this card. Um, we are. This is like our, our our backdoor way to premiere a lot of uh, a lot of really cool books that we have coming out in 2014. If you listen to the last episode, um, I mentioned I, I I read the 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 role of a lot of the stuff we have coming out this year. A lot of the new stuff, new creators, new books, um, new IPs, new new looks and concepts. Um, just all kinds of new crazy stuff. And if you want to get a taste of that, if you want to get a glimpse of that before everyone else, by all means, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook check out the digital training cards because that way you're going to be in the know. You're going to be like, oh yeah, that book, I remember that. I'm going to order that because I love that art. And you probably will because we have some really talented people working for us. Not to brag or anything, but you know, we do. Uh, So check out those digital training cards and we're going to be running a contest here not too long from now, um, around around the the end of February, tied to the digital training cards. I don't want to go too too into detail right now. But if you start collecting them now, believe me, you'll be thankful that you did later on. So, digital training cards available for everyone who subscribes to us on Twitter or on Facebook. Our final bit of news as we cruise into a Valentine's Day. Allow me to uh, recommend to all of you a little bit of ugly love. What is ugly love? Well, if you are familiar with the rapper slash artist slash cartoonist extraordinaire, Super ugly, uh, and Lord knows you should be because the man's all over the place. Um, Monsters are People Too is uh, his children's book that's available through Action Lab Digital and Comicsology. If you want to kind of get a sample of what he, what his style is about, um, he's a very cool artist, very cool guy. And what he has done is in the month of February, over six different Action Lab books, he has drawn six variant covers. So, um, three Action Lab and three Action Lab Danger Zone covers he has graced uh, with his artwork in a variant form. So, if you want to get a hold of those books, and they are they are going to be a little more rare than the regular printing. Um, and for some of the more popular books that he's doing, like Skyward, um, and, uh, for instance, or Princeless, it might behoove you to get on the stick mighty quick and get to your retailer and say, Hey, I want some ugly love. But then, by all means, elucidate as to what you mean, because that, that kind of behavior can get you arrested. So, Ugly Love, the month of February, just in time for Valentine's Day, give somebody you love a little ugly love. And that's all we have for on the, in the news this week. We're going to go right now to our pre-order segment. The new uh, catalog, the previous catalog just came out, and we are here to help you find your way through it Action Lab style. <music> Okay, for the uh, previews catalog coming out January, in the end of January for pre-orders for February. First of all, on the Action Lab side, we have a Vamplitz Extravaganza. Uh, Vamplitz, if you are not hip to them, are the latest creation from a, a woman named, by the name of Gail Middleton. You may not know her, but you definitely know her her one of her uh, creations that she collaborated on back in the day, uh, a little thing that you might have heard of called My Little Pony. Um, she was one of the creators and people, uh, seminal people um, behind that concept uh, of My Little Pony when it first came out from the toy companies. And now she's broken out with this new concept uh, with a new, uh, new graphic novel and toys. And it, we are happy and lucky enough to be a part of it. And this month from Action Lab, we have not only the Nightmare Nursery hardcover, which we already have, we have offered before, and it's a beautiful hardcover graphic novel of the Vamplets. So the, the cover is this beautiful, many shades of purple and, and, and red, very, um, 
I hate to use the word goth because it's kind of overused, but it definitely has that kind of overtone to it. And the vampires themselves, of course, are the cutest little chibi undead you've ever seen in your life. They will, you know, they'll suck your blood dry and look darn cute doing it. Um, but as I said, not only are we offering the Nightmare Nursery hardcover, but we're also offering the, uh, the new... Uh, Vamplet's Undead Pet Society number one with a regular cover and then a cover uh, specially done for us by Ms. Middleton uh, for that book. Uh, so those order numbers for Vamplet's Undead Pet Society are FEB140874 and uh, for the variant cover by Gail Middleton, FEB140875. Uh, the Nightmare Nursery hardcover that we are offering once again is FEB140877. Now, also, in our Vamplets extravaganza, we are offering a plushie of the Ghost Pony. And it's just a really cute... Um, uh, it, it's where you know, where um, Invader Zim and Hello Kitty meet. You know, <laughs> it's just kind of... It's got that kind of twisted point of view that a, a, a Yona Vasquez uh, would bring to something or a Dan Mendoza or someone like that. Uh, but but with a real real cuteness, you just want to look at it and go, aww, and then you're kind of creeped out by it at the same time. Uh, if you know someone like that, you know, for the polyperate type in your life, uh, th- they will really dig this. And that is also available in uh, the uh, the new cal- the new previews catalog. And the order number for that is FEB140876. Now, you've heard me mention and extol the praises of Skyward by Jeremy Dale, and for good reason. I mean, it's just a really cool, well-told story, beautiful art, high fantasy adventure, all-ages story that is still interesting enough for adults, you know, that you're not going to be rolling your eyes or bored out of your mind. It's just a really cool, classically told um, adventure, you know, high fantasy adventure. It's just really great. And the third trade paperback uh, for Skyward, if you want to get ca- totally caught up and up to date with the, the, the book itself, uh, the third trade paperback, Battle at Three Rivers, the title I love because I'm from Pittsburgh, uh, is available in in this uh, month's previous catalog under FEB 140878. Um, that is, as I said, the Volume 3 third trade paperback, and you definitely um, want to get caught up on that book because that is one of our or, you know, it's been one of our standout titles all through 2013 and going into 2014. It's a book that really takes notice. And as I said earlier um, in the podcast, um, Jeremy Dale has been nominated for Breakthrough Talent Award uh, from CGS. So, you know, people are starting to notice Skyward. And I think that um, the sooner people get hip to this book, the better, because it is going to take off like a, a rocket ship towards space. And speaking of a, a book that is going to blow up so huge it could be seen from space, we are offering once again the Molly Danger hardcover in pre-order, uh, book one. I am a proud owner of this book, and I can say it is one of the, is one of the most beautiful volumes on my on my shelf. Not only do you get the incredible writing of Mr. Jamal Igle and the incredible art of Mr. Jamal Igle, but the colors, the inking, the the entire production design of this book just pops. It, it's just a beautiful thing to look at. It's something that. You know, it, being part of this company, I'm just proud. I look at that and I, I just take a, you know, my tiny little one and a half percent of pride that I had some small part in making that happen. As to, you know, everybody else who contributed to the Kickstarter uh, to get it going or what have you, you know, it's just, it's just a beautiful book and a great thing. And that is available at order, with order number FEB140879. And if you haven't gotten that, you really need to. Now, on the wild side, on the danger zone side for uh, this issue of previous, we have. The Itty Bitty Bunnies in Rainbow Pixie Candyland, uh, number one. 
Now, we've offered this before digitally on Comixology, but this is the first time that it has been out in print. This is a debut number one issue. And, friends, if you were a fan of Ren and Stimpy back in the day, or um, The Ripping Friends, or, uh, you know, George Licker, or any kind of, or Liquid Television, or any of that kind of over-the-top crazy humor, the Happy Tree Friends, um, then you will dig Itty Bitty Bunnies and Rainbow Pixie Candy Land, because it is... It looks like uh, it could it could be um, a comic for the Hello Kitty crowd, but it is more for the South Park crowd. <laughs> um, it's you know mature themes, which is why it's under the Danger Zone Aegis. Uh, it is really, um, it, but if you're hey, if you're into that kind of humor, you are gonna laugh your butt off. It's just incredibly funny, um, gross out, over the top insanity, and uh, we are offering it to you, the public, <laughs> in this digestible comic form. Uh, issue number one, available with a, a main uh, cover, which has already been available on the digital version, and a variant cover, which is a, uh, an, a reimagining of uh, Action Comics number one, uh, redone with the Itty Bitty Bunnies. So, and the, the um, I believe the Caterpillar is holding a, a, a water pipe of some sort. It, it's pretty funny, as I said, uh, um, if, if you like collegehumor.com, you, you'll dig this. Or, like I said, Ren, fans of Ren and Stimpy, Adult Swim, um, you know, Aqua Teen Hunger Force fans will probably dig this as well. It's just kind of over-the-top, goofy insanity. Um, the order numbers for those books are for the regular cover for Itty Bitty Bunnies and Rainbow Pixie Candyland, number one, FEB 140880. And for the variant cover, which parodies Action Comics, number one, you've got FEB 140881. And speaking of strange, over-the-top insanity, uh, we move on to number issue number four of four. It's completing the second story arc of Zombie Tramp by Dan Mendoza. And um, the title pretty much says it all, as we like to call her, The Street Walking Dead. Um, it is, again, for the fans of, like, Yon Vasquez or Evan Dorkin or that kind of just crazy over-the-top humor um, with, with a zombie twist. And uh, it's just that, just very, very strange. And for if hey, if if I hooked you with the title "Zombie Tramp," then you're that kind of person, and, and you're gonna buy this book no matter what I say. So, and if I repelled you with that name, then the opposite is true. But for those of you who are still around listening, we have a regular cover for "Zombie Tramp" uh, number four, and we also have a not safe for work risque cover uh, for "Zombie Tramp" number four. So, for the regular cover for "Zombie Tramp" number four. The order number is FEB 140882. And for the risque cover, the NSFW cover, uh, FEB 140883. And uh, that is what is available in this month's previews catalog from Action Lab and Action Lab Danger Zone. And now let's move on to On the Racks. We have a, a light on the rack segment this time. Uh, on the racks right now from Action Lab, we have uh, Fracture Encore number one by Sean Gamerin and Chad Sacconi. And if you were uh, cool enough to listen to my last podcast, we got to interview Chad, uh, talked a little bit about his art, his philosophy about comics, what he brings to the books, uh, what he brings you know, to the media, you know, why he's, you know, why he loves the medium, etc. Fracture is one of those, it's the rarest of things in comics. It's a superhero story that I have not heard before. 
Um, I know if you are like me and a big fan of comics, you think you've read every superhero story known to man, every trope, every cliche, every plot line. You have heard it all. You've seen it all. You've done it all. I tell you this. Fracture is something is unlike anything else you've read. And I can say that with some with some uh with some confidence, you know, I really can. It is it is really unto itself, um, the the concept behind the book. And Sean Gabrin and, and Chad Ciccone are, are a perfect match for this because Sean really kinda of toes the line between that um cartoony and, and, and serious with with the script. A very very fine line to, to to walk for sure. And uh Chad's art, if you haven't seen him, go to Facebook and look up Chad Ciccone and look at his art. It's, it's very classically illustrative, open-line style. And you will hear this, you know, again, Bill Blankenship in the interview that we're going to be running after this segment. It's very classic, illustrative, superhero style. So while you're reading it, your brain is thinking, oh, a regular superhero book. I've seen this a million times before. But that's just a camouflage for a very... Um, subtextual and, and, and almost subliminal sneaky story that's going on underneath it all. So I would definitely recommend that book to you uh, if you want something different in the superhero line. And Encore number one is the very first issue of the very first arc, so you can start the story fresh and be totally caught up with the Encore editions. Also from uh, Action Lab this week, we have the NFL Rush Zone Superhero Special Trade Paperback for five dollars and while the uh, the score of the uh, <laughs> super bowl may have been anticlimactic this year this comic certainly is not if you are a fan of the nfl rush zone or you know people that are uh this this is a must get this is a must have uh it's the same continuity as the cartoon it's the uh the same, similar art style and storytelling uh it's it's officially licensed by the nfl and the players association association so you're getting that kind of uh, you know credit um, collectability cred, I guess you know for people who collect those kind of things. Um, it, it's something that maybe a lot of action line fans kind of overlook, but it's definitely something that kids who enjoy football or enjoy the NFL Rush Zone cartoon would, would dig. So NFL Rush Zone Super Bowl special trade paperback is on the racks this week. Also, finally, on the Danger Zone side, we have the original <clears throat> zombie animal comic. This is the first comic to really bust out the, the hypothetical question, well, okay, we have the zombie apocalypse, what if it was just about the animals? Until you really think of the permutations and and, uh, and repercussions of that, you really don't understand what kind of nightmare that is until you read The Final Plague uh, from Action Lab Dangers and, and issue number four, the penultimate issue before the climactic number five uh, that comes out next month is on the racks this week. Okay, now that we've paid the bills and gotten all that out of the way, I would like to uh, set up this interview that I've done with Mr. Bill Blankenship. He was gracious enough to come on uh, the podcast and talk a little bit about what he's done and what he's doing for Action Lab and, and why he believes in the company, why he believes in the medium of comics and what kind of comics he likes to read and uh, how he takes his coffee and all kinds of good stuff that we talked about. I think I might have left out the coffee question. But anyway, Bill Blankenship is our interview this week and I hope you enjoyed. Here it is.
everybody. Uh, Jim Dietz from the Action Lab Podcast, and uh, it's my distinct pleasure tonight to be speaking to Mr. Bill Blankenship. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? I'm just well, thanks. Now that the cold snap is over, I think uh, things will be looking up uh, now that things aren't like negative 20 with wind chill or whatever around here. <laughs> yeah. A little, little cold. Uh, Bill is... Uh, a, a, much like uh, Dave that we talked to on the show before, has is, is been on a lot of different Action Lab projects. First of all, though, I want to congratulate you uh, for uh, Double Jumpers being in the top 100 comics of uh, 2013, as you know, deigned by CBR. So, oh, thank, thank, thank you. It was that was like the best Christmas present I could have gotten this year. I um I I I know that a lot of uh, um. People I know who are in tune with gamer culture and stuff really appreciate Double Jumpers. I've turned, you know, I've turned onto the book as well. So, um, what, tell us a little bit about Double Jumpers, your contribution to it. You know, why you think it, CBR put it on their list. Um, stuff. Well, the, the origins of it started back um, all the way to Super Show um, uh, back in. Um, God, quite a few years ago now, and I had um, I met up with Dave and. Um, talked to him i was hanging out with him at the uh the bar the kind of after party thing there and he kept talking about this book that he wanted to do and um he he had been i guess he'd been kind of scouting out for me he he because he wanted to kind of uh convince me to do it and uh so i guess i guess he was hoping to get me drunk and uh talk me into it at the bar but um maybe about god less than a year later uh, around the time that action lab was founded i was talking to him and he said that he wanted to do it and we worked out a deal and i did the uh pencils inks and colors on it so i did all the art duties um it took me um took me quite a while to finish the book i was working on it behind the scenes for a long time before it was ever announced and um it's um yeah, I, I every time that I read the scripts, I would just end up busting up laughing, and and I, I thought it was just really one of the funniest things that I've read in a long time, and and uh, I'm really happy with the way it came out. I think you know, um, as for why it got the top 100, I mean, who knows? The, um, the, the being, you know, having the right people check it out, um, you know, we 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 definitely got a lot of good reviews, um. I think we only got one quote-unquote bad review, and I, I forced uh, Dave to um, quote them on the back of the trade <laughs> because nice. I thought it'd be hilarious to uh, to have you know a kind of a uh, a quote on there that was diminishing after all these right like a d- dissenting opinion. <laughs> yeah, and you know I I love the uh, I love a little bit of uh, uh, humor that kind of uh, takes takes shots at myself. I I can't uh, I can't let myself get too big of a head whenever it comes to my creative uh, a part of me. Well, that's cool. I um I know one thing that every you know every single creator and and even you know people working behind the scenes at Action Lab all have like a deep love of comics. You know, as a medium, uh, a lot of times going back to their childhoods or whatever. What what is your comic book origin story? I mean, why do you work in I mean, why do you want to work in comics? Why do you enjoy the medium? What was it that got you hooked? Was are there certain creators that were bigger influences on you than others? I mean. Um, you know, it was, uh, I'm sure escapism was the, uh, like much like many people, escapism was the, the origin of it. Um, uh, I, I always try to remember the first, um, cause everybody always asks like, what was the first book that you bought? And for years I thought it was a Kelly Jones Batman book, but I just remembered, um, a couple weeks ago I was thinking about the fact that I had, um, 
I, I had bought a, um, I think it was issue number two of the um, adaptation of the movie Ghostbusters 2 in comic form. <laughs> yeah, wow. so, so... Do you, do you happen to remember who did the art on that? Was it like uh, Williamson or somebody? Or I have no clue, but now you got me wanting to Google it after we talk. Yeah. Um, so prior to that, I had been a huge Superman fan as a little kid. You know, I was always wrapping towels around my neck and jumping off of things. Um, and, uh, you know, I just always really connected with superheroes, um, you know, that watching like stuff like super friends as a kid, um, always really liked, uh, always just really liked, uh, um, superheroes whenever I was a kid. And then as I got older, um, one of my biggest influences pro was probably Greg Capullo, um, uh, on his, um, uh, early spawn days, um, I, I, I started reading Spawn around issue 28 or 29, and there was a um, there was a, a, a an issue that dealt with child abuse that really uh, rung true to me just the way it was presented, and I was just absolutely hooked. The art I was absolutely hooked on the art, um, and I uh, I'd followed Spawn for years, you know, all the way from whenever I was uh, maybe like 10 or so years old all the way through my teenage years and um was a big fan of the max um oh what a great series what a great I, underrated series too i i'd actually um what was it i uh, i'm trying to remember whether i saw the cartoon or the comic first i think i saw um maybe the first couple episodes of the cartoon first and then i went and bought all the issues of the comic that were out up to that point and um just fell in love with uh, you know, a completely kind of uh, psychedelic, very, um, uh, very much kind of a psychonaut kind of uh, storytelling in that where it's dealing with a lot of um, things that are, you know, you don't know what's taking place in someone's mind and what's taking place in the real world, so to speak. Um, and I, I, I guess, I, I guess, um, I it was a kind of a choice between everybody always said, "Oh, you should work for Disney." Whenever I was a kid. And uh, I I was like, I saw what they had to do to animate, and I was like, oh, that's too much work. And little did I know that, you know, comics uh, can be just as much work, if not more sometimes, especially whenever you're doing all the art duties yourself. Um, but, yeah, and then I just I, – it, it's always been, um, you know, much like anybody else, I, I've had my points where I'm like, why am I doing this? Why don't I just go get a normal job? But, uh, you know, I don't think that I'd be happy um, – doing something that didn't challenge me the way comics challenges me, uh, whether it's coloring, whether it's doing the storytelling or just any aspect of it. There's, there's a certain challenge to it that, uh, that brings satisfaction once you're, once you're done with it. And, you know, once you've, you figured out whatever problem is on your plate at the time. Yeah. Um, speaking to something you were just talking about, I had a good friend of mine who worked as a Disney animator in the nineties, uh, at, at Disney, uh, Ian Christensen. And he said that it was like, it was like running a marathon with a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> because you just had to keep drawing and keep drawing and keep drawing. And the, the level and the, the amount of, of product they expected out of him every day was, it was, he said it was like running a marathon because he had to, he had to pace himself and he really had to like, you know, produce at the high, you know, as, as quickly as he could at the highest level he could the entire time, you know. Yeah. Double jumpers was kind of like that to a certain extent, um, mostly because, um, it was set in Vegas, and so 
I I distinctly um, wanted to have like real landmarks, or, or at least as real as possible. A lot of them I changed the names, um, you know, on the outsides of the hotels. Um, what was supposed to be, um, oh goodness, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the casino, Caesar's Palace, right? To Caligula's, um, and uh, you know, just trying to trying to kind of play off of um, the names that were there, but still have them very recognizable landmarks. And um, I, so much of it was uh, going on Google Earth, and, and thank goodness for Google Earth, their little 3D models, um, because I used those as the structure of a, a lot of the buildings in the backgrounds a lot of times. Um, and a lot of it was so much referencing, um, you know, something would happen on a corner. Uh, I remember particularly when they get arrested at one point uh, um, – there's a specific corner it actually takes place on, and I compiled references from every angle I could find of this corner so that it was consistent throughout the entire thing, which obviously most people are just going to flip through it, read it, and they're never going to realize that, that that much work was put into the backgrounds. But I felt like you know if it, if it was supposed to take place in Vegas that we should really – capture the look and the feel of vegas at night you know um and, and you know the the just it has a very uh specific look to it that you can't really place something in vegas and then just kind of make up the backgrounds as you go along right <clears throat> i don't know though as a comics reader when i see someone who goes hyper detailed like that especially with backgrounds like say you know a jeff darrow or you know an art adams or mm -hmm. um you know or even um Oh, God, now I'm going to blank on his name. Uh, but, I mean, I, I always notice that as part of the storytelling. It just adds so much of a, like an, almost like an unspoken verisimilitude, like a reality level that's there. Yeah, you know I what I mean? Telling, um, I kept telling Dave, Vegas was like the uh, like the fifth main character. In, like the city itself, I felt like it should be, it should really feel like it's 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 the character that the take place in. And, you know, it has in its look and in the feel of it that, um, you know, and I, but uh, in the end, in the end, I think it was worth it. I, you know, I was really happy with the way it came out. And, you know, obviously we've gotten at, at least, um, at least enough accolades that, uh, it makes it worth it in the long run. Well, I mean, it, it makes total sense. Cause I mean, if you think about it, Vegas is kind of a virtual reality uh, or a simulation of its own, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You have, like New York, New York, you know, and, uh, and, and everything else. And it's just kind of, um, it, it kind of brings home like the whole virtual reality, reality things you were playing with in that book. So yeah, and I mean, even if you know, looking at the kind of the history of it, it's almost like a simulation of a real city. It's 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 hyper real in the way that it's presented. It's it's like a a city on steroids. Right, and as, as very hard is gaming. It's all about games, so. Once again, uh, that, that totally makes sense. Um, also, I, I, I know you've done a lot of work with, with Chad and Sean uh, on uh, Fracture. Yeah. You want to talk about that, too? Yeah, that was um, um, at one point, uh, it was before we started messing with Vamplets. They wanted me to color the new series, and, and that's another one I've been working on. Oh, goodness, I think for, uh, for the last year, uh, really... Um, um, we, we had, I think at least three issues in the can, and, um, before we, we, before the first one was even, um, put out there for, um, 
for uh, submission of the diamond. Um, and uh, it was just uh, it, part of it was the fact that Chad was working on other projects at the same time as well. Um, but it gave me a chance to um, gave me a chance to really refine my coloring technique, uh, working on fracture. Um, and some of it was more challenging than I thought that it would be because um, um, it was challenging in that I had to keep a certain amount of simplicity to it. Um, couldn't get too complicated whenever you're working over Chad's stuff, but he also has this great open line uh, style that allows me to do a lot in the shading and have kind of a cel-shaded effect. And uh, I was surprised to see um, somebody on... I believe either Comic Book Research or, or Newsarama had put up an article where they had pointed out Fracture as uh, kind of an example of how comics should be colored. So I figure that, you know, at least we were doing something right um, on that. And, and, and they wanted really bright colors. They wanted really, you know, uh, something that really popped off the page and, rather than, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of coloring or even a lot of comic book art. It can get bogged down in realism too much sometimes to the point where it dulls it and um i've always been more interested in really making stuff kind of pop and, and having a good you know having a good color scheme that provides cohesion to the entire image um but also at the same time you want to really have the colors pop and in you know or maybe in, in on certain pages you might want to subdue some of the colors but have a couple uh specific colors pop off um, but it, it was nice to see um, it was nice to see that pointed out as kind of an example of, of of good comic book coloring by by you know comics media. Well, not only that, um, I mean the um, the whole like premise and, and world and story going on in Fracture really benefits from that kind of color, I, I would think, rather than if you were to do something like you know um, they they would do with uh you know like Daredevil or something more street level or whatever they would just like you said it would just kind of weighed down and kind of muddy it I think that kind of you know that the way the color pops in, in in Fracture kind of gives it that you know heightened sense of reality that you need for that kind of story I mean so you don't you know think about you know the fact that this mentally ill man has these you know different facets to his personality that you know that they either protect or destroy the city depending on the way the wind blows you know. I just think it kind of gives it that kind of heightened um, sense of a sense of reality that works for that story very very well more than a like you said a more realistic color palette would. Yeah, and I felt like um, I felt like it was sort of referential to early um, kind of Marvel Age '60s comics too. So I felt I felt like it should have this really vibrant palette. Um, and um, you know, I really I looked at a lot of um, kind of animation style coloring. Because uh, we were at the same time, I was working on some of the uh, the colors for the NFL book, um, the, the uh, how do you say NFL Rush Zone. So I was I was referencing a lot of animation in the colors for that. So that kind of helped me get um, a, a starting point for doing that really vibrant animation style, maybe like cell shaded style colors, um, and in in keeping a, a really. Um, trying to keep it as simple as possible while building on what Chad had put down. You know, like he said, he's got a great kind of open line that allows um, me to really play and, and, and add things in there. Uh, it's, if, if I feel like if, if he were to 
mixed it and render that in ink, it would maybe weigh it down too much. But he, he's got a great open style that kind of allows me to sit there and, and play with some of the uh, some dynamic rendering in the cell shaded style. Absolutely. I mean, his style is. I hate to use the word cartoony because that almost has a negative connotation, but I guess illustrative, which is very much, you know, the classic, like Alex Toth, uh, you know, clean art style, you know, that kind of thing. Um, He's gotten so good. And that's what's fascinating is working as a colorist. I get to work so close to that, you know, the work itself um, that he, I've been able to watch his work evolve over the last year or so. And, um, He's just he's getting so good he's getting so um, really really starting to get much more dynamic in, in both his compositions and, and his his um, kind of panel layouts as well as like his the the, the physiques of, of his bodies and it, it's 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 fascinating to watch a, a an artist evolve especially when you're because when you're coloring you know you're working real up close to things whenever you're rendering the colors so it's it's fascinating to watch an artist evolve from that close up absolutely um i know i don't know if you noticed or not my but my avatar for for skype is a, a chad sikoni uh, a card custom card he did for me uh, of me as uh, the iron chef uh chairman kaga uh, i saw that on twitter whenever i sent you a uh a, whenever i followed you on twitter after we had kind of connected today and i immediately recognized it as chad's style yeah, I just, I, I really, uh, I really dig his style. I end up buying his whole set of Iron Chef uh, sketch cards. Uh, just because it's, <laughs> it's, it's my favorite TV show, the Japanese version uh, of the original Iron Chef. So. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Plus, Chairman Kaga is an awesome supervillain. I mean, he's got a whole army of killer chefs. He's got, <laughs> he's got Kitchen Stadium. He's got the flashiest wardrobe, the side of Liberace. I mean... I never thought of it that way, but yeah, he does. It's it's the the uh, the set of the TV show is almost like a villain's lair. I could I, I could see that. You know, it's almost like he's being and he's pitting them against each other. He he really is a, a very much like a supervillain character. I never thought of it that way. He's like the guy in Enter the Dragon who r- runs the tournament. Um, I want to say his name's Claw, but that's not right. Um, <laughs> but he fights you know personally in the Hall of Mirrors at the end. Yeah. But uh, he, he's very much like that, or um, but yeah, just and when I asked Chad to draw draw that for me, uh, that's what he came up with. I I think it's pretty great. He um, I've known Chad for a while. I'm I'm from Pittsburgh, so I've I've known him from going to cons and stuff, and uh, through the the CGS guys who I originally you know got into podcasting uh, because of. So um, again, like you say, it's great to see his style evolve. I mean. Now he's, you know, the stuff he's putting them now, the, the pinups he's doing, and then also the art he's doing for that pinball machine. Yeah. It's been really, um, like, just like you said, like a really nice open line, very just iconic, classic illustration, you know. Yeah, just, I'm you know, actually going to be, uh, I've actually been coloring his sketches. I don't know if you've seen the color versions of his, um, the kind of uh, cheesecake art that he's been doing lately um uh, on facebook but um yeah i'm 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 working with him on his new art book um that's uh it from mostly from what i've seen it looks like it's going to be all kind of uh style um somewhat cheesecake style art and you know and also some uh uh super heroine type sketches actually that's what i was doing right before that i talked to you um, which, which is a yeah, which is why there was a little bit of a delay in getting to you because um, I was working on a Huntress pick that he had sketched up, 
and uh, finishing that up. And I didn't notice that that you had sent me the uh, request already. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm been working with uh, close with Chad, and I'm actually um, I'm actually going to be. Um, I'm not sure if I'm coloring or just rendering in black and white the that pinball machine image. He asked me if I could uh, if I could do that as well, but I haven't seen it yet. So I'm interesting. I'm interested to see what he's doing with that as well. He's put a few in- images uh, from that up on his Facebook, but not the whole thing. If you don't know what we're talking about, um, Chad Ciccone, who draw, draws Fracture, uh, is doing the art for a, a custom Night of the Living Dead uh, pinball machine. Oh, okay. I have seen uh, a few of the images. Okay, I wasn't uh, I wasn't sure because um, he had done one zombie girl um, for his art book, and uh, I'd seen a couple other zombies that he did and i didn't i didn't put two and two together that those were for that uh, for that pinball machine oh yeah he did the little girl with the garden trowel who i immediately recognized um and uh he also did um uh barbara's brother uh, you know they're coming to get you barbara that guy yeah. <laughs> so uh again so from pittsburgh it's <laughs> you know i know the movie very very well um, so what do you have going on right now? I mean, what projects are you working on now that are coming out in the future or things that you're working on now or you worked on recently that will be coming out soon? Or um, Well, I think they're just wrapping up. Uh, uh, I just wrapped up Fracture Issue 4, and so that's uh, that's going to be coming out. And um, I did the, uh, the colors for the trade paperback cover. I've also just started uh, working on Vamplets. Um, volume two which uh is issue three and four um so that i'm sure we're going to be um working to promote um here over the next few months once we get uh get some speed uh uh get up to speed on it um yeah i was fascinated um at pittsburgh comic-con uh last year how many people uh really responded really strongly to the pamphlets like buying a lot of the plush and the book and um, just like how, you know, had, it had a really broad appeal um, of all the stuff that Action Web was selling at that con. Yeah, I think we got like 160 books sent to us whenever they first got printed up. And we sold out all of them at a one-day con. And we sold out of them like early in the day. Like it wasn't even the end of the day. Like we we were completely and totally blown through them, I'd say, a little over halfway through the day. And uh, so it was great, and it was great to talk to um, uh, a, a type of fan that you don't really get to interact with, which is, you know, uh, younger girls that are interested in something that, you know, not to say it's girly, I mean, which which it is to a certain extent, but it's something that, that works towards... Um, it, it works towards a, a younger female fan base, and and it was great to see um, a lot of people um, just really digging it. And really, uh, I mean, it, we didn't we didn't have to work at all to pitch that at that show, and they sold out halfway through the, a little over halfway through the show. It was so great to see people just just completely immediately connect to it. Um, so yeah, I completely, I completely know what you mean. And and the little, um, the little plushes actually, uh, I I made sure that I got one of them uh, for my daughter, and I gave a, another one of them to um, uh, another friend of mine for a Christmas present. 
um, and gave my dad a copy of the book. My, my dad likes to collect my uh, my books um, that I get published, so uh, I gave him uh, double jumpers and a copy of the uh, trade paperback to Vamplitz. But um, yeah, I was amazed by the response, and I, I'm still amazed every time that I, I hear um, something new uh, coming down the pipeline of life, like what's going on behind the scenes with Vamplitz, because it's so... Uh, it's how do you say it's so i believe like what needs to be out there right now it, it's hitting on um it's hitting on all cylinders and, it, and it's hitting on a lot of things that um maybe other people have i was saying uh, it's it's uh doing that gothic chic in a very loving way and um it's been great to work with amanda dave and gail on it uh it's very much like everybody else says it's been very much like a family uh, working together uh, rather than just a creative team everybody is is always looking out for the other person and and everybody is so happy with the end result but um, I'm, I'm so happy to see the res- response that we've gotten to it absolutely it's uh like i said <clears throat> had a very broad appeal when i saw it at the comic-con uh like you said the goth uh goth girls really like it because it's goth and cute um little girls really liked it i i saw some um Bronies who were really into it, uh, <laughs> um, so it's just something that a lot of people it appeals to. That's one of the things I really enjoy about Action Lab is that you can't really, you know, say, "Oh, Action Lab, that's a horror comic company," or "Action Lab, they may do superhero comics," or, you know, or whatever. Action Lab is more of a, uh, a promise of quality, you know what I mean, like a, stand, a bearer standard than it is a, uh, you know, an indicator of what kind of book you're going to get. And I think that's one of definitely one of our strengths, but. I mean, Vamplets and, and all ages stuff that we have, I, I, I really think is, uh, it's, it's where it's, it's got to be at in the future because, I mean, I don't know. I, I find a lot of the, the stuff from the, the mainstream, you know, comics, you know, Big Two or whatever kind of just played out. Yeah, I've actually, uh, um, I, I'm, I'm so um, much more interested in doing my own stuff at this point. Um, I'm actually, uh, this year, I, I, I think I've said this at least once every year, uh, for the past couple of years, but, uh, this year I'm, I'm actually, uh, ready to kind of get down and just dig into it, which is, um, doing, um, a book called Thunder Chickens that I did through Zuda and sort of infamously got kicked out of the contest, <laughs> um, but uh, beside that, uh, it's just that I'd rather do an all-ages book where I know I can hand it off to any kid and and nobody is going to have a problem with anything that's in it, um, but yet not something that talks down to kids at the same time. Um, I actually – I was going through some books to give a stack of comics to uh, one of my friend's kids for um, Christmas – and I was amazed at how hard of a time I, I had finding stuff that I could give to a, a kid that was like six or seven years old um, because so much of the stuff is geared towards adults that you never know what's going what's gonna, to um, be what's gonna be in there that, that someone might have a problem with. And even one slipped by me where there was two girls kissing in a Marvel book, um, which uh, the, you know, the mother just kind of laughed off and, and because the – the boy had found it and said, I like this panel. But, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it amazed me. And it really, it was really like a lesson in, in like what's out there. 
in that even books that I thought were supposed to be geared towards kids, I had to flip through them and just make sure there was nothing objectionable in it. And 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 I'm 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 so I've been way more interested in doing my own stuff rather than trying to do something for um for uh, uh, mainstream comics or, or try to work for the big two. Um, just because yeah, I'd rather do something that I know I could pass off the kids and that they're gonna dig. Um, instead of just trying to play to the same audience, but as well, um, gear it so that any adult could enjoy the book as much as any kid could. And, and maybe the adults will get something different from it than what the kids will get from it, but not have it be, uh, trying to be faux controversial or, or trying to, um, you know, just trying to put stuff in there where it's like, Oh, it's 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 big news for about three months and then nobody cares because there's no substance to it. It's all it's all kind of shine on the surface and and it's all, you know, some gimmicky um, event or something like that 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 I think people are really sick of. Um, And and, and lucky lucky enough, we're in an age where Internet, you know, you can really branch out and do your own thing and have it hit off. Not even so much that is that you don't have to. You know, you don't have to put out the money for you know to even have your comic put out on paper or go through the insane Diamond Distribution Center uh, system, uh, or you know, I mean, with digital comics, it's a whole new. It's not you know, I don't really don't see the digital market as being you know a bunch of you know guys like you and me that grew up with the medium and, and are collectors and enjoyed it. I think it's a whole new market segment. It seems you know who who are just going to grow up reading comics digitally. You know. Yeah, and so many people, um, every you know, especially a few years ago, everybody was going, "Oh, digital comics are going to be the death knell to published books." Now I think they're going to be a boon to published books because you're going to get a wider variety of subject matter. You're going to get a wider variety of material. I mean, I've seen so much stuff done online that eventually gets published in one manner or another, whether it's self-published or whether they go through a um, an established publishing house. That, that, that deals with like maybe LGBT um, stuff, uh, stuff that deals with more uh, female-friendly stuff that, that that has been greatly missing from from the mainstream comics and from the big two. That I think that if anything, it's going to cause a golden age of of books if it, if it hasn't already. In that you know, obviously you're going to get a lot of crap, but in that crap you're going to get a lot of really good stuff too, like. You, it, 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 the more stuff that's being put out, I think, the better, because no matter what, the the cream is always going to rise to the top. And, and the way I see it, we're just getting a bunch of different excellent flavors of cream rather than the same flavor in, you know, repackaged in different manners. Right. I think I, I, I really, uh, I don't know, I mean, I'm definitely encouraged rather than discouraged by... Um... You know, the digital comics boom, like I said, I think it's a whole new market and it's a whole new segment of readers, you know, and that's what the, the medium needs. And plus, I mean, there's so many cool ways to adapt that the digital comics um, medium, you know, alone to, you know, to add, you know, layers of expression and layers of, of storytelling to what you're doing, you know, like with the guided view books we have, if you look at that, I mean, it definitely adds a layer of storytelling to, to what's, you know, to the proceedings. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of things that, um, you know, maybe have or haven't really been explored um, in, in in a wide variety of ways. I could imagine um, 
things like uh, releasing a book digitally and having a director's cut version where you can see all the behind-the-scenes stuff if you want to. If you want to just read the book all the way through, you can read it. But if you want to go and, and, and look at the original concept sketches, you can have them in there as well and have referential points that you can click on. Um, and yeah, the, the with the advent of uh, iPads um, being as uh, ubiquitous as they are, you have uh, so many people that have um, something in their hands where they can immediately reach um, reach um, the medium of comics, which maybe uh, ten years ago you, the same type of person would have never even um, went to a comic store to pick up a book. Now you have. Um, things you know people are looking around online they might see something they're interested in and they're just like oh let me check this out oh 99 cents okay you know being like sales none um whereas before it was so, such an isolated experience uh, uh or, or an isolated medium in that it was kind of um put to the shelves of comic shops and, and wasn't as accessible I think the accessibility is is the biggest thing, both on the creative aspect and on the reader's aspect. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a million times easier, I think, to just you know buy an app or something perceived as an app that's a comic than it would be to make a trip to a comic book store, you know, and and you know read up on all the different reviews. To, you know what I mean? It just you know, like you said, accessibility is is super key. I mean, I think I you know I keep. I know it's the Action Lab podcast, and I kind of keep plugging it, but, I mean, it's something we really address, I think, very well on the digital side as far as, you know, making our books accessible to as many people as, as want to read them, you know? Oh, yeah, and, and it's been, you know, I think that, um, as you were saying about um, the fact that it's it's a stamp of quality rather than being a genre-type thing, whereas um, I've seen a lot of comparable companies um, that I, I won't name just because I don't want to... Um, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, and I don't mean it to offend anybody, but they're very much they they very much have their gimmicks, and 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 maybe they're doing the gimmicky books in order to do the books they really want to do. Which you know, every company there's certain there's certain um, books you have to do in order to do the books you want to do. Um, but I, I don't feel like Action Lab has a gimmick other than quality. Um, and and I think that's also why it's been a slow burn, kind of rising in the ranks over the years, because of the fact that um, it, it, there's, it, it's not like you can go, oh, it's oh, that's the book that that's the company that does all the Alice in Wonderland type books or something like that, you know, uh, um, that that you know I've I've seen elsewhere um, that 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 style of of, of foundation on the company. Um, it, it, it's it's not something that you can pinpoint as, oh, that's the company that does that one thing. It, it's a company that does such a broad spectrum of books and, and, and especially splitting it into both all ages and um, the adults only uh, danger zone categories. Um, all you know makes it even a broader spectrum of, of work. And um, yeah, it's I'm telling you what it's 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 the best company to work for. Um, given that everybody actually does care, everybody involved in the company, they, they, they care about the company. They care about how the quality of the books are. Every time I see something new that's coming out from Action Lab that I was unaware of, I, I, I'm just like, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, it interests me. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, hey, can I get on that book? Can I, you know, do they need a colorist? 
um, just because you know I, I I dig what what it looks like or I dig what they're doing or or maybe they'll they'll ask me to color a cover, and 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 there's been a couple of projects where I'm like, well, hey, can I color this book? Um, that yeah, like it 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 keeps um, surprising me how broad of a uh, subject matter that they reach whenever it comes to the books that we're releasing. Yeah, it's amazing to me, too. I think it's something that was definitely one of our strengths, you know. Um, <clears throat> if you look at some of the other, uh, um, I hate, hesitate to call them indies because they really aren't, but other comic companies like Image or Dark Horse, um, they it's kind of the same thing. You, you go to a Dark Horse book or an Image book expecting a certain level of quality, a certain level of storytelling, you know, art, um, production value and design and everything else. And I think that's true of our books as well. I mean, it's just kind of a seal of approval. If you pick up an action lab book, whether it's, you know, as, as, you know, um, as, you know, all ages and uplifting as princeless or, or Molly danger or as twisted as, you know, scum of the earth or itty bitty bunnies, <laughs> yeah. um, you, you know, that you're going to get a good comic, you know, whether, you know, whether, you know, regardless of what end of the spectrum you're going for, you know, yeah, and I, I know, I, 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 God, I know a few things I wish I could even talk about, but uh, yeah, as for you know, really making a mark on um, indie comics or just comics in general, general, I know that uh, um, that we've got a lot of things planned in the future. Some of the things that I'm directly involved in, some of them that I'm just involved in on a um, uh, a bit, a bit of a connecting two people together sort of thing that. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's really only growing from here, and, and I'm eager to see what uh, what 2014 brings whenever it comes to um, how we're perceived as a, a company. Um, just because there's there's so much stuff on the horizon that is so interesting, and that I believe is going to really um, further embed the mark that we're making on the industry. Absolutely, and uh, we'll both be there to see it. <laughs> oh, for sure, it, it, man! It's been a great ride so far, and uh, it, if anything, it just keeps getting better. The best thing, honestly, the best thing in my life right now is consistently working in comics with Action Lab. And again, it's you know we're totally uh, we're, we're we're totally fanboying over our own company right now. But that's that's the level of passion that goes into these books. In in you know, especially with Dave Dwanch. Dave, he's I refer to him as my bodhisattva. He's he's uh, you know he's a Buddhist that doesn't realize that he's a Buddhist. Uh, he he or I should say he's a Buddha that doesn't realize he's a Buddha because he's so passionate that his passion is infectious. I mean, you cannot be around the guy for five minutes without getting excited about comics with the way that he talks about it. And there's so much stuff that. I know that that, that that he fights for um, because he really believes in it, and he really believes that it's going to be something interesting. And 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 it's ju it's just absolutely infectious working with the guy, and and, and at the same time being friends with him. Um, it, it's 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 really honestly it's a blessing in every sense of the word. Yeah, I I, I agree. It's just a um, uh, like I said, a bunch of people who really you know not only. Uh, want to do you know make their living in the medium but really know about the medium and care about it you know as as a, as an art form and i really appreciate that and to a to a man and to a woman you know everyone i've met in the in the uh in the company it feels that way you know mm -hmm. 
thanks so much for talking to me tonight, Bill. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me on. I've definitely I've been wanting to do a podcast for a minute. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad to sit down and just talk about, you know, talk about the company and, and, and uh, kind of uh, uh, talk about what's on the horizon and, and, and just kind of go a little bit in depth on, on the behind the scenes. But uh, it was really, really good talking to you, man. Yep, I enjoyed it as well. And uh, the books, as we mentioned, are Double Jumpers, which is available at Comixology if you want to check it out there digitally or on the Action Lab website. Uh, Fracture, which uh, is now available at your LCS, I believe, as we uh, record this issue number two, is on the stands of volume two. Mm-hmm. And uh, also the uh, Encore edition, uh, volume one, which is um, the first story uh, with, uh, I think it has a new wraparound cover, but... Uh, it's um, you know the beginning of the fracture story in case you wanted to catch up with it there, but also available as uh, as the other one digitally on uh, on Comicsology, and uh, Vamplets the Nightmare Nursery, um, available at the uh, the Action Lab uh, website as far as I know, and also digitally at Comicsology. So thanks mm-hmm. a lot, Bill. I appreciate the, the 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 time. Hey, no problem. Thank you, and you have a good evening, man. You too. Okay, well, thanks a lot to Bill Blankenship for uh, allowing me to interview him for this episode of the Action Lab podcast. And thank you a lot for tuning in. really appreciate it. It's been issue number three for the first part of February. And we should be back before the month is over with another uh, edition of the podcast. So thank you again for joining us. You can catch us either on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your other podcast catchers. Or you can catch us at hhwlod.com as part of the HHWLOD network where you can find all kinds of cool, geeky podcasts by all kinds of cool, geeky people. Check it out, hhwlod.com. It's the dot-comiest around. And uh, on that note, I will end it here. Thank you very much for joining us on the Action Lab Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. When the night shows, signals grow on radios. All the strange things, they come and go There's early warnings Stranded starfish have no place to hide Still waiting for the swollen Easter tide There's no point in direction We cannot even choose a sign I took the old track, the hollow shoulder across the waters. On the tall cliffs, they were getting older. Sons and daughters, the jaded underworld was riding high. Waves of steel, of metal at the sky. As the nail sunk in the cloud, the rain was warm and soaked the crowd.
Thank you. 